All right, we're back uh, here with one of our leaders in our company, Jeff Miller, who is a gun dog aficionado, I'll call it, who actually we had an agenda, but we almost had to tell last night's story. But we we're going to talk about Jeff's background in gun dogs, his experience as a breeder, which I think ties into last night, his experience in NAVDA, and the three challenges he, he sees often in training gun dogs and some closing thoughts. So, Jeff, your background as a gun dog dude. How'd you get started? In yeah, that? well, so I've been I've been hunting for a lot of years, but it's, it, I've been hunting exclusively with German wire hair pointers as dogs that I own for the past thirty years. I put that. Um, I used to own cocker spaniels, never hunted, and they were my first dogs that I ever bred. Uh, but I decided to own a gun dog. I hunted with somebody else's German wire hair, and I got interested in the breed. And I've been doing that ever since. So, um, you know, I I found it important to, uh, you know, find a breed that you enjoyed training. And German wire hairs was just one that I could really get into. And um, I, I liked what I call the versatile breeds, ones that can do ducks and, and uh, grouse and pheasants and blood tracking and whatever you want to do with them. Uh, and the German wire hair is one of those versatile breeds. So I uh, got started on that and I haven't looked back since then. That's the only kind of dogs that I that I buy and train today. So. You live down south. Were they always just... Did you only have them when you are up here or did you have them down in Arkansas? No, I just got them after I moved back okay. from Arkansas. That was when I started gun dog hunting the first time. Yeah. And uh, I had Cocker Spaniels in Arkansas. That was what... And they weren't hunting dogs. <laughs> they were little. Uh, they were little house dogs that, that uh, sometimes were full of fleas. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. And my background is that I've had a couple, couple breeds of hunting dogs: English pointers and wire hairs. So that's, I have a hot button with the wire hairs. But unfortunately, I last wire hair went away, and then I didn't replace. Because I was having kids, yeah, and I regret yeah. that instantly. Yeah, saying yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Especially with a guy who really loves to duck hunt, I you know? know. And I am a firm believer in the, the versatile hunting dogs, and not like I. It's where I kind of smack duck. I don't like pointing labs or anything like that. Yep. I like those true versatile breeds where you know I used to read books on wire hairs <clears> and that stuff, and I can't even recall what they have in them. But it's like the pewter pointer, short yep. hair, all that stuff where they. Yeah, we're customized to be able to do so many things, and I'll tell you what: up here in South Dakota, in the winter time, they're amazing, and I, in the water, they blow my mind. Yeah, they're great, great swimmers, and I think most people think of labs as being the you know the good duck dogs, the good retrievers, and these dogs um, can do all of it. Yeah. you know, they're just uh, very versatile when it comes down to it. That's great. So you got some experience as a breeder, <laughs> yeah. and please feel free to segue into last night. Yeah. We got a text message this morning. Jeff, yeah. Jeff had a, a wild night, we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, I, I've been, you know, I started breeding these Cocker Spaniels a lot of years ago, and, and I kind of got out of it for a while, but uh, just recently uh, decided to get back into it with my German wire hairs, and um, yeah, last... Uh, it was Wednesday night, early in the morning, actually. Uh, wound up with my first litter of wire hairs and had to resuscitate a couple of uh, young pups that uh, 
that, that weren't going to make it otherwise. So we can segue because I do it all the time. So like, first off, I asked him how do you, he actually was proactive and YouTubed it. How do you resuscitate a pup? <laughs> well, it's mostly that they, you know, they just aren't breathing. They still got stuff in their lungs. Yeah. But they haven't been breathing for too long. So, um, so you basically put them in a position where you're supporting their head, yeah. but you sling them down, uh, like get their head down, and when you sling them down, it slings some of that fluid out of their lungs. Oh and gosh. literally, you could just see it bubbling out of their nose, and then take a little you know, syringe or a, one of those yeah. bulbs that you use for little kids, and you suck the nose, the nostrils out, and you do that again. Do you have to squeeze them or anything? Like that to nope. CPR? I'm yeah, like, I actually did watch one of the videos, though, was a CPR okay, video. I'm like, I'm like, what? And, and doing breaths for the puppy. I didn't I, have I to do that. Say, I was like, I didn't know. What do you, I don't know. I, I was, when you sent that text, to, it was a group of us at work. When you sent that text, it, so I didn't, you, I didn't YouTube it, but I, Instantly, your mind's going, and you're trying to picture it, and it goes mouth to mouth a hundred different ways. Some of that, some of that, I'm like I can just see if you lay it on its side, just starts <laughs> whoopee cushion it. Yeah. I don't know. You don't need to do much, but you, you, yeah, you would basically use your fingers and just tap yeah. their chest real tight, real, real huh. quickly. But mostly, you're rubbing them and trying to warm them up mm-hmm. uh, with a warm dry cloth, and uh, and and then trying to get that fluid out of their lungs and. Luckily, when I saw she was the first one that was coming around, her, I saw her mouth open a little yeah. bit, and I put some uh, K-roll syrup on my fingertip and touched that to her tongue. Oh. and Because sometimes that'll give them a little bit of energy. Yeah. And uh, she started, actually, she sucked just a little bit on my finger, and I could see her really gasping for air, and then all of a sudden another pup comes out. And so I had to put her back down and let mom lick on her for a while while I worked on the next one because it was also going to have some trouble. So this all started, I'm going to repeat the text, and you had to, at 3.45 in the morning. <laughs> and he got a half dozen out of, out of there, and he's resuscitating some, but like you said, it was like one dog, and then how long until a second? It was over two hours before the second and one Usually you want them wet. I, 30 to 60 minutes is pretty typical. And then you had a couple yeah. back-to-backs, right? Yeah, the next... The next, uh, when number two came out, 20 minutes later, number three came, and two minutes later, number four came. And so now we got uh, three puppies we're trying to get the bags off, and she's licking like crazy. Mom, her Addie is the mom, and she did just an excellent job. But by number six, she was so stinking tired. She didn't even start licking on the dog. She's like, you take care of this one for so, me. <laughs> how long from beginning to end? 3.45 to 1. 8 o'clock was the last oh one. Gosh. Yeah. And so you were sleeping out there a little bit too at times. Yeah, sure. I tried to. My uh, The female wanted me to be close, and she calmed down quite a bit when I was. She would put her head up on the pen and let me pet her, and then she tried crawling in my lap a couple of times. So, so. how many... This another, how many adult dogs you have? Addie and then what? I've got Kate, who's another yeah. female German wire hair, and I actually have a male poodle pointer. That's right. Yep. Yeah, and here's yep. that one. Yep. Yep. That's interesting. He's a good. He's a good hunter as well. Oh, they're cool looking dogs. Yeah. Yeah, and like you say, they're in the breed line for the German yeah. wire hair. So. Yeah. 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 That's great. So. Jeff is also an active member. It's actually on his license plate. You can see it here in South Dakota. We can <laughs> we can uh, fund you know donate and that stuff. 
but NAVDA, which I was a member of when I had it, the North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association, yep, right? that's correct. Yeah. So, any anything to talk about your experience with NAVDA, like, other than you're active all the time? Right. Well, I think, you know, so the reason I became active in it was what I really love about it, and it doesn't matter. I mean, there's some chapters that are probably better than others. We happen to have a really active chapter here in Sioux Falls. Uh, but they're, everybody's willing to share their experience and training. I think we have over 100 members in yeah. Sioux Falls, um, you know, active members that are at, you know, most training days yeah. and that kind of stuff. We probably have 30 that are really active um, and then some that come when they have a puppy, uh-huh. you know, when they have a new pup. But I would say that's what got me started because I learned a lot from you know, the other trainers that were there and some of them are professional trainers doing this for a living and others are, they've just been training NAVDA dogs for a lot of years. Well, that's how I learned. I was living in Del Rapids and I do a lot of my training out at the sportsman's club there, but there was a a couple guys up there that were, you know, know, there are other guys, we both know who in Renner and that stuff too, but like uh, there are a couple of guys that had because he had the membership guide, they had like Monsterlanders. Oh yeah, we got a lot of small Monsterlanders. But I ran into those guys up in in Dallas, and they're kind of doing the same thing, you know. Where you had that nice, if you remember the Sportsman's Club, you could do whatever you want out there, really. Yeah, yeah. That was neat because you could network and learn. And I believe in you know anybody that knows now, the Green Book is like the gospel and that stuff. And I loved it. It like it was step by step and. I always remember I'd mess up, and everybody said this. It takes a lot to mess up a good dog. Yeah. You just go back to where they were successful and then try and push them forward again. Yeah. And that's the one thing I took out of it, and then I just followed that book. I would say most of the time you're training, the whole goal of NAVDA is to train the trainer. Yeah. You know, teach them how to train their dog. Yeah. You, like you said, you can mess up a dog, but it's a lot harder to mess them up. It's usually the handlers that are messed yeah. up. So. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're trying things that don't work, um, and uh, I've, I've said this a lot of times. There are just tons of material out there you can read. You kind of need to pick one method and just stay with yeah. it. Now, you're going to have to find a method that works for your dog, but sometimes you can start with the basics, and you'll see if that works with them, and you may have to modify. But. Well, I was blessed with having hard dogs and soft dogs and yeah. that stuff, and some of you have to hit them in the head with a shovel, and they're like, oh, I get it now, and somewhere you just kind of look at them wrong, yep. and they're like, they're sorry. Yeah. You know, and it, so you, you have to customize it. I think the process, you know, I always say, I don't know how best I say it, I believe in the Green Book process. Yep. And I think the process there is, amazing you know, yeah follow that but it's just men really how much call it pressure i'm not saying it doesn't hurt dogs or anything but right how much pressure you can apply because soft dogs sometimes you just need to back off right and training like like too you that's just, one thing i learned yeah some of them you can train forever and some of them you just gotta be short Absolutely. intervals yeah yeah makes a big difference and one of the Great cool things about NAVDA <laughs> is you know we do you know, we'll even do like winter obedience training yeah. uh, so we can get together as a group. But one of the things we do in that is we teach some more advanced techniques mm-hmm. while we're not in the middle of training. We can bring a like a started dog in and show what it happens uh, and one that's more finished. And this is what it looks like when yeah. it's done. Yeah. But that way you can get a, you know, everybody kind of gets an idea and it gets them excited about the spring and getting started with training their new dog. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lot of fun. I don't know. I always liked, you know, in the wintertime, I did enjoy, yeah, I call it, we call it the training table and that yep. stuff. You know, yep. I always try to get And then, you know, 
like specifically those wire hairs when they're at the right age and they're young and athletic they get trained it's like 10 below zero and they're craving it still right you know? so oh, yeah. they love it yep. yeah they yeah. love it for sure so the other thing we've got on the agenda here is what are some of the challenges you run into with training gun dogs i put three just because i'm a rule yeah. three guy but yep and i actually listed three too that i was thinking about you know one is i'd say the top challenge you have to remember that every dog is different you know, you got to find what works for that dog. Now, like I mentioned before, you still need to start with the basics and figure out what, how much pressure a dog can take, uh, you know, when's the right time for them. Because some dogs that are softer, you have to wait a little longer to do some of your drills that are going to require a little pressure on the dog. Other dogs that are very independent, you can start way earlier. So. Yeah. Like one of my females, I started at six months doing force break to retrieve, and I, and she could handle that pressure. But yeah. I've had others that I had to wait till they were a year old, just about before I could do that because they just weren't ready for it. I so had one didn't that was mature. super soft like that too, where you're like should be able to start. No. <laughs> yeah, and you, but the actually the second rule is uh, our challenge is that it fits in with this too it's you've got to realize you've got to be patient oh yeah you got to work at the pace of the dog um if you push it too hard too fast for a dog that can't handle it you'll ruin them mm-hmm. uh you know you can make a soft dog like totally disengage um and it's not fun at all when that happens so work at their pace figure out what their pace yeah. is and then uh, use your kind of standard training methods and then figure out if you need to go ask questions of somebody who's maybe had a dog like that. Because that's one of the things that NABDA is really good about too. If you're having trouble with a particular dog, you know, there's somebody who's had that trouble before and here's what they tried. That, that one thing this is a plug for them because I'm a big fan of them. I'm not a member. I'm not going to sit there and say I'm a member without a dog. But yep. I love their, like, their. It wasn't, was it quarterly or monthly newsletter? I can't remember. Uh, we meet monthly today. I don't know that we've had a newsletter for a little a while now, but they, the, we have a quarterly magazine That's that comes that, out. There yep. were a bunch of, but at back there was always training tips. I remember I'd read that stuff. Yeah, and, you know. yeah. There's tons of good training tips in there, yeah. and you know, I like the stories too. On you know where somebody got their first dog and how they got them trained up, but yeah. knew nothing about it. And it really boils down to, again, the NAVDA club can really help you with your training goals. I agree. You know, getting there. I agree. So, and then the third one I had was, you know, dogs want to be challenged. They they want to please. You know, you, you got to realize when they're getting bored with what you're doing because you can really shut them down mm-hmm. if they get too bored. So... Keep increasing the challenge for them too. As you as you keep going, make it more challenging for them. An example on one that I had just this year, I was training a couple dogs for the Invitational and doing uh, blind retrieves across water. And I started at 30 yards, and then I went to 50 yards. And when I was doing the 50 and 60 yard range, they got bored with that pretty quick. And then I quickly advanced to 130 yards. Mm-hmm. And they balked it a few times, but then they realize, oh, I know exactly what he wants. But the challenge of changing the distance really made a difference with them. They all of a sudden really got into it again. Yeah. 
Um, and so, you know, whatever it is that you're training on, make sure you're keeping them challenged because they will get bored with it pretty quick and stay at their pace. That's kind of what you're after. Stay at their pace, whatever they can handle, but don't just because you've had a dog that needed to go a lot slower in the past, mm -hmm. don't assume that all dogs need to go that slower. You'll really wish you hadn't. So, Oh, my goofy example. I'll never forget. Like, I had a, one of those soft dogs and couldn't get it to work and all that stuff. And I wasn't pressing too hard, but I was so mad. I remember I grabbed a water bottle and I threw it in my garage and the dog went and retrieved it. I couldn't get him to retrieve it. What? Love the crunch and all that stuff and that. And then all of a sudden it kind of clicked with him that. But I, I'll never forget. The only reason it clicked is I got mad and threw an empty water bottle. <laughs> and the dog went and retrieved it. I'm like, you won't retrieve a dummy, but you'll retrieve a, a Nestle water bottle. That's no kidding what happened with that yeah. dog Hudson. Yeah. The wire here at the last Liked wire. a little bit of the noise in the mouth. It was insane. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, all right. And that's where I was trained with somebody who goes, well, that's one of those soft dogs, and the feedback I got was, yep. I can't remember who it was in Del Rapids, but he goes, make it fun. Yeah. That's what he said. He goes, this one, you, this kind of dog, you got to make it fun. Like, some dogs, you know, do well, like, you know, pressing them and that stuff. This one's like, you know, just make it jolly. And, yeah. And that, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was weird. Yeah. And he goes, follow the process. He goes, but make it fun, too. Yeah. So, you got to have some fun. We call them fun dummies yeah. after you've been working hard. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, any closing thoughts you've got? Well, I just, I really uh, enjoyed uh, doing the podcast with you. I'm a firm believer that, you know, all of us should own a, you know, a good uh, home companion as well yeah. as a hunting companion. And that's one of the things that I focus on when I'm breeding and even trying to raise my own. I want them to be good on both sides of that coin. So. Well, I don't want to mess it up, but I did check it all out this morning back. So, Jeff... Also does a blog and has a website. What's the website? Uh, DakotaProWireHairs.com. All right. I've seen a few articles and that stuff, so check it out. All the dogs are accounted for now, right? Yep, yeah, this so litter that I just Get on had. the next yep. wait list, I guess. So there you go. I appreciate the time, man. Yeah, thanks. You bet. Bye.